0: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in person payments. Then, Stripe, Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly.
1: This 10th year Daily Tech News Show is made possible by you. Thanks for listening, all of you, including Andrew Bradley, Dale Mulcahy, and Matt Zaglin. Coming up on this DTNS, Microsoft has a co-pilot for everything, and that might mean you don't need to look for software anymore. Plus, Waymo adds its autonomous cars to Uber. So are we still 40 years away from autonomous cars? This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023 in Los Angeles. I'm
2: Tom Merritt.
3: And from Studio Redwood, I'm Sarah Lane.
2: Coming from your nation's capital, your boy, Big Chris Ashley.
0: And I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang.
1: How does it feel to be so close to the seat of power, Chris? (laughs)
2: <laughs> it feels great yeah <laughs> except by yeah. moving as far away from it as I possibly could, without as you could we still technically <laughs> being <here>. yeah right
1: <laughs> uh well netflix just launched its password sharing crackdown in the u.s so americans get ready to rumble 7.99 a month if you want to add a person to your account here are the rest of the quick hits
3: Shutterstock announced it will buy Giphy from Meta for fifty-three million dollars. Now you might say that sounds like a lot, but in back in twenty twenty two, the UK's Competition and Markets Authority ordered Meta to sell the unit over competition concerns. Meta reportedly paid four hundred million for Giphy back in twenty twenty. Oh,
1: Quite a discount. Maybe they threatened mm. to call it Jiffy if they didn't lower the price. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Amazon unveiled the Fire Max 11 tablet, and it's 11 inches and starts at $230, gives you an aluminum enclosure, fingerprint readable re- reader, expandable storage, and supports an optional stylus and magnetic keyboard. Uh, sorry, though, headphone jack fans, it has none, but it's available for pre-order right now, ship in June 14th.
3: Adobe is now offering a new generative fill feature in Photoshop in beta. It draws, get it, draws, from the Firefly image generation model, to a generation model to extend images and can add and remove objects with text prompts. An official public release is expected the second half of this year. The feature also supports content credentials, which attaches attribution data to an image to indicate that it was indeed edited with an AI system. Chris,
1: Sarah, Intel's tearing up x86. It's starting over, starting from scratch actually just released a white paper outlining a new microarchitecture for its chips called x86s It eliminates the 16-bit and 32-bit legacy support. So if you get an Intel chip right now, it supports 16-bit, 32-bit, and 64-bit operations. Uh, Given that 16-bit launched in 1978, the chances are very few of you would be affected by its absence. But there is a lot of 32-bit software out there. Uh, However, most recent OSs are 64-bit. So now's the time to start talking about this. Plus, virtualization could do a lot for legacy software to keep it running without having to rely on the chip to do it so why do it at all well you get rid of older support and that leaves more room on the chip die for other features it increases the power efficiency it could speed up boot times it lowers the attack surface for security issues and in the end this is just a white paper so don't get too afraid of it if you are afraid at all it's just the beginning of the conversation we're a long way from a shipping product
3: don't you love how everything is either an S or a plus? When they're oh, like, right. let's keep the name, but spice it up a little bit. Why
1: not put a 64, x86-64? That wouldn't be confusing
2: at all. <laughs> no. I'll, t- I'll tell you why after the show. Okay. <laughs> okay.
3: Uh, and meanwhile, Google followed up on stories that said that the company was going to offer AI tools to advertisers. Product Studio lets merchants on Google Shopping and Shopify users of the Google and YouTube app edit and customize product shots using generative AI. You can do things like change the background image to be more seasonal, or remove the background altogether, or change the resolution of an image. Product Studio launches for US-based sellers in the next few months. Google also repeated the plan that it announced at Google I.O. to place ads in its search chatbot. We still don't have a, time la- a timeline on when, though.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, then, uh, let's talk about what a different f- f- arm of Alphabet, the non-Google part of Alphabet, is doing, Sarah.
3: Okay. So Alphabet's self-driving unit, Waymo, announced that it entered into a multi-year strategic partnership with Uber.
1: <gasps> I thought they hated each other.
3: Well, the quick version here is that later this year, a said number of Waymo vehicles in the Phoenix area, in the Metro Phoenix area, will integrate into the Uber and Uber Eats apps for ride hailing and delivery services. We don't have information on how much those rides might cost or how many vehicles that Waymo might make available in its fleet, but... You might be saying to yourself, as you were, Tom, Mm -hmm. wait, didn't Waymo sue Uber once over autonomous cars? The answer is yes. So let's talk about why they've possibly made peace.
1: Yeah, so this announcement comes just a few weeks after Waymo's chief product officer, uh, Saswat Panagrahi, said Waymo wants to increase its ridership tenfold by next summer. Uh, Waymo wants to do that. They, they want people in their cars. By partnering with Uber, Waymo expands its reach uh, quite a bit. A lot more people use Uber's app than have installed Waymo's apps. So they get new customers beyond those who have got that branded Waymo One app, which many people have not. And there's more. Chris, what else is in this partnership?
2: Well, the Waymo Uber deal also includes Waymo Via. That's Waymo's autonomous trucking arm and Uber Freight, which is Uber's logistics spin-out. If this is all a little confusing, Waymo has clarified that it won't exclusively allocate vehicles to Uber, but when a Waymo vehicle is accessible for a qualifying ride, an Uber user has the option to request a car through the Uber app.
3: I mean, part of this sounds to me like Waymo is like, our, our vehicles are just sitting around yeah. we need to do something with them. unused capacity
2: so
1: to
3: speak yeah yeah
2: yeah my my guess is that they're like okay the app's probably not out there it's probably not as good as what uber has what uber provides and so when you have when you're faced with those decisions from a product standpoint you really have one or two decisions you buy or you partner right or you build buy partner or build and uh and then you start weighing out you know which is faster, which is easier, and then and in their case, they're like it was easier to partner, which partner. to me, I like to see these type of things happen,
1: yeah, well, and Uber has gone the opposite direction the The reason we had that lawsuit was stealing trade secrets about autonomous cars. Uber has long since abandoned its internal development of autonomous cars and is partnering with other companies, not just Waymo. Waymo isn't even the first autonomous car company it partnered with. It also uh, partnered with Motional. Uh, So Uber is sort of saying we're a transport app. Uh, If you need to get something from one place to another, you use Uber for it. So if Waymo wants to tap into that and say, hey, we'll be the car, that's great. Uh, just, Just like Uber doesn't say, oh, you can't use you know, a certain brand of car to drive people around. They don't care. As long as you pass their background check and qualify and your car is in decent shape, you can use the Uber app uh, to pick up people and, and give rides. They're, they're going to work with Waymo on this, too. And so it's, it's good for Uber as well as good for Waymo.
3: Yeah. Kath, Catherine Barna, who is uh, heads-up PR at Waymo, told TechCrunch of this news that Waymo is building a driver, not a vehicle. Ah, <laughs> to which I say, well, it's a vehicle, also. Well, it has to okay. be in a
1: vehicle, but I guess what they're saying is
2: we could put this in other cars too. You know? Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. Right? Yeah.
2: Well, honestly, the the big thing that I'd like to see come out of this is if Uber says we we not you know you don't have to build us cars, um, but if you could expand in areas where we're not, that would help us get you know expand our brand and get us in there faster. And that's the type of thing that I would see, I would like to see come out of this because I remember for quite some time Uber was out there about was taking Ubers. There was none in my area mm-hmm. for quite some time. Now they're everywhere. Yeah. But there was a good mm-hmm. little while where it was doing their thing. We didn't have an Uber in this area. There's a lot of places that don't have Uber that autonomous cars
1: also have problems in, you know, yeah, certain sure. rural, yeah. unmapped areas, places like that. But there are still places where, an uber could operate an autonomous car could operate but they just don't have the drivers or even days where areas are like yeah we don't have enough drivers today so this right. could fill that gap uh i don't know how far we are from that though because this is just in phoenix and while they've been slowly expanding the, the area they serve in Phoenix, it's not like Phoenix has been taken over by autonomous cars. The only other place they're doing this is San Francisco, even though they have some tests undergoing in Austin and LA. So it does, it feels like an expansion, but I have long since stopped saying, well, you know, give us a couple of years and it's going to be autonomous cars everywhere. Cause five years ago, people were telling me it's going to be 40 years and those people are now, you know, 35 years away from being right. So I'm, <laughs> I still don't know if forty is the the right number, but it's definitely taking longer than people thought. Than some people thought.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it also for anybody who's oh, go ahead, Chris. I'm
2: um, sorry. So, I'm sorry. I just wanted to know who controls the AC because uh, yeah, <laughs> Phoenix is no joke in the summertime. Yeah, that better so be yeah. The is, the is that in the Uber, Uber
1: app too? Yeah,
3: <laughs> it is no joke. But Phoenix is also for anybody who's not familiar with the area. It's a very large, flat grid mm-hmm. city Good point. um you know with some exceptions, of course, but um this is a, you know it's it's a <laughs> compared to San Francisco, it's a great place to test out stuff without um a ton of you know hills and and weather to yeah it's a it's a
1: it's a it's a a good first it's a good easy level to start on before you go to san francisco and you you raise your difficulty level yeah (laughs) all right uh time for the microsoft build news microsoft build developer conference happening starting today we're going to talk about microsoft's larger strategy with ai in a few minutes but let's start with some of the more consumer
2: facing announcements So OpenAI will start using Bing as the default search experience in ChatGPT. The chatbot will now include search and web data as well as citations. ChatGPT plus users will get it starting now and eventually will come to free users too.
3: Yeah, and that same marriage of chat GPT and Bing is also coming to Windows. Windows Copilot will be available in the taskbar, among other things. It'll let you adjust settings on Windows with a phrase. So you don't have to figure out where they are. You can just sort of say what you want. It can also summarize content from the clipboard. It can compose text, get answers to questions from the web, and other chat body type things. Windows Copilot is coming in preview. In June.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about all the other co pilots uh, in, in a minute or two, but uh, this is a great one. If I can just tell Windows, I I, I need to turn the sound down on the headphone out port uh, without having to remember which control panel, which settings uh, place it is, which, mm-hmm. what it's called, uh, and, and granted, uh, I, Chris, I know when you and I were talking earlier today about the fact that you, you kind of get good at that and then windows changes it on you. This, this is right. way better. So you can just always know, like, all I got to do is say it. And then you don't have to rely on their graphic design interface or keeping up on changes. It just does it.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing that even after all these years from when Windows 8 launched, it seems like they're still trying to redo a lot of the underpinning UI because, you know, the control panel, it's it's been updated. But for the most part, once you need to get to some of those deep settings, it's back to, you know, what, what Windows used to look like. And honestly, sometimes I just struggle to find exactly what I'm looking for. So being able to tell my computer just to change the graphics or... You know, just to change,
3: um, yeah, the volume. Open a new window. You
2: oh, know. All of that stuff. You know, yeah. it. You know, turn off Wi-Fi. Turn it on. You know what I mean? Reset the Wi-Fi. All of that stuff. I don't have to go look for it and click here, click there. It'd be. It's awesome. I really like this.
1: We've been promised this before. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> there was Clippy. There was Cortana. There was Bob. Like, it's almost like they went with Copilot because they were, you know. I mean, Cortana merging.
3: was supposed to be what this is. You with know, voice, it was just, this
1: is text, but yeah, basically the same idea. But right? but
3: same same say in natural language what you want mm-hmm. and let me help you. Um, Cortana right. was not long for this world, but that was you know early days of assistance, and you know we we are in a new era now, and I don't know, I. I <laughs> I sort of struggle to be like, well, how hard is it to just like go to my menu settings and like do what I want to do? But that's because I'm just conditioned to think of it that way because those were my only options before. Yeah. it And and those
1: kinds of things are never that hard until you don't have to do them anymore. And then suddenly right. you're like and you really, say, really remember glad. Remember when
3: we used to scroll through <laughs> yeah. settings?
1: Yeah. I used to open folders from from the DOS prompt uh, because that's how I'd learned to do it. And and then eventually I gave up and started using the graphical interface and never looked back. I, you know, it, it's the same idea. Like, do you go to Terminal to open all your folders? No, you could. right? But that's yeah. not the best use of your time.
2: Well, then I mean, even beyond that. <laughs> there's right? some
3: people who would say, yes, it is. If you're already in Terminal, then maybe, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: But then you start thinking about all the app integrations. So I know when I'm producing the podcast and I need to save a copy of this file and like here, open this folder where I keep these files and then, you know, import these audio files in from this folder that I just created. You know, just being able to talk through that instead of just saying, yeah. you know, click here because I can't tell you how many times I started editing a show but I, it automatically opened up the last show that I edited. So I'm yep. pulling in old files, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is last week's show. You know what I mean? So just mm-hmm. you know, being able to specifically say pull in the files I just created from this week's show, and it's like, gotcha. You know Can it get smart
1: enough I, to say, I want to do a new podcast edit? And then it knows <laughs> right. all of the routines right. that you normally do. Ooh, like and it opens episode. a template. Yeah. yeah. Right? Ooh, right? yeah.
3: I could, I, I could jam with that. And then uh, it tells
2: me, I got you, homie.
1: <laughs> I've edited it That's for you. Brain. I actually hosted it. Here it is.
3: Yeah. <laughs> You are no longer needed. Go take a nap. Yeah.
1: A few other announcements out of build. Bluetooth Low Energy coming to Windows in the uh, um, uh, May uh, non-security preview release. Uh, Live captions for Windows 11 now support 10 new languages. Uh, That includes simplified and traditional Chinese, Danish, English, French, German, Italian, Japanese, Korean, Portuguese, and Spanish. A new shield icon will start showing up over the network connection icon to let you know if your VPN is active. That's nice. And Machine-generated summaries of app reviews will be displayed in the Microsoft Store. Uh, More Microsoft Build news in just a second. Have a thought about something on the show, though, and you don't know our email address. Let me fix that. It's feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care.
3: All right, let's talk more about what happened at Microsoft Build today. The main theme of today's keynote was co-pilots. Copilots is how Microsoft is branding the term of virtual assistants built into a specific tool. For example, GitHub Copilot uses generative AI to help coders.
1: Yes, and at Microsoft Build, the company announced it's going to add copilots to Edge, Office. We mentioned the Windows one. Windows Terminal is going to have its own copilot. Dynamics 365, which is actually powering a lot of these other ones. Power Pages, so you can build a website. And that's just the ones I have off the top of my head. Uh, there's even a tool called Azure AI Studio that helps developers build their own copilots. So you can build an instance of something like ChatGPT or GPT 4 using a company's private data. Uh, if we, we've had a lot of emails about people saying I'm not allowed to use ChatGPT because we're worried about confidentiality, this would help get past that. In fact, Microsoft CTO Kevin Scott, who is also EVP of AI at Microsoft now, had an interesting exchange on The Verge with Neilai Patel. He pointed out that up until now, you interact with a computer device by either writing a program for it if you're a developer or in most cases, uh, for those of us in the audience, using a program somebody else write, even if you're a developer, you're not writing all your programs yourself. Copilots are moving us to a world where you may have to do less explicit work to align them and steer them to a task, in Scott's words. This strikes me as a more profound effect than many of the other ones we hear about regarding these kinds of tools. You potentially won't need to look for software to do a thing you won't have to go to an app store to do a thing you could just ask your co-pilot to do it and it will either find the right api or possibly just write the code for a new piece of software for you on the spot uh is that too optimistic chris to think that it would go that well
2: Uh, I don't think so, actually. Uh, just based off of what we've seen this year alone and, you know, how we've seen, uh, the use cases for chat, um, GPT and uh, what people are doing with it. I don't think that's too optimistic at all because the idea that I could say, Hey, um, here's the three things that I do every day. And can you automate these? So they open up in sequence or do something in sequence is profoundly attractive to me (laughs) i can't tell you as i failed uh uh, probably three or four times to learn how to write basic code and i just take the book and throw it across the room (laughs) not having to do that at all and and just being able to tell it this is what i want to do and it determines well i need to write a little piece of powershell scripting to do this but then there's an app that allows me to do that i can put those things together and automate this task for you I, i i i find that to be amazing and really really cool
3: yeah, same. I mean, my only question that I don't think was addressed uh, this morning uh, at, at the keynote was, okay, let's say I work for, you know, X company, and I leave that company, and I've got, uh, you know, a variety of, uh, you know, co-pilots that have helped me. Is that in any way tied to the company?
1: Yes, Yes, the, these oh, yeah. Azure instances are entirely within the company. So there, there's two thing there's two things going on here. One is the the more like in the now announcement of of these Azure instances, right? The Azure AI Studio that says, "Hey, you want to use ChatGPT in your company? You can whip something up to use it on your own data." I I'm taking Kevin Scott's words and projecting them out a little farther and saying, but beyond that, beyond that, today in the enterprise case, what about a situation where you've got something running on your operating system where you could say, "Hey, I I need a program that will automate the podcast that I make every day," and that thing is sitting on your desktop, so it knows that because it knows you what you do and it's like oh let me write Mm -hmm. a piece of software that makes that for you
2: yeah, crazy amazing. But, you know, and, and as as awesome as that sounds, we shouldn't overlook the enterprise application and use cases as well, because some of, even the, some of the ones they laid out as mm-hmm. an example, which is like um, summarizing meeting notes and, uh, you know, to, display, just sending it out to the team. So being able to request, hey, what are the key takeaways from this particular meeting? And it's saying here, boom, 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 here you go. Um, really, you know, uh, I, I know... My wife, she hates doing meeting notes, and you know, when she didn't have to do them anymore, she, you know, she probably did like a little two-step. And um, <laughs> so, having an AI being able to do that for you uh, is pretty, pretty darn cool, actually. And, and,
1: and if you're sitting there going, "Like, wait, isn't that what gpt has been doing since last fall?" Uh, no, not in the enterprise, because to put your meeting notes through ChatGPT might violate your company's confidentiality. But with this this instance that keeps it local now you could say oh just train on the documents that are in the company instance don't let them out of the network and now you can do the summarization and and pull in other things and do all those things that you want to use it for and also have it limited so that it's not pulling in other things that that would make it hallucinate more it's limited to like just work on the data in our company so it's going to have more relevant answers too
2: yeah. And oftentimes we find ourselves looking at data and not necessarily uh, interpreting it properly. Right. And so you seeing one thing, but there may be missing a nuance that could steer you into the next product direction or the next, um, you know, idea for the company. And so having an AI behind that and being able to look at the data you normally look at every day, but then they're able to say, Hey, what are, what are some of the key trends that you're finding in, in, in this data? And it's like, boom, 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 boom. It could validate where you're thinking or it could, help you pinpoint something that you you missed so all in all i hate running reports this one you know that's that's all i see in this It's like if i could tell it to hey run these reports let me know what my trends are what we're looking at for the last you know three years or something like that uh i'm oh my god if we did this direction that'd be all in i'm
1: i'm still fascinated with this idea that i wouldn't even need to go get apps at some point that i could just tell my chat right you know, I, I need, I want to do this. Yeah. I want to capture all the audio <laughs> mm-hmm. that's coming into my computer from this device, but not from this device, you know, and not have right. to try to configure audio hijack. It'll just go, Oh, well, let me make that for you. Like that's, that's fascinating. Uh, one other thing that came out of Build worth noting, Microsoft is working on watermark, watermarking AI-generated content. So Bing Image Creator and Designer, which is kind of their Canva, uh, will detect images made with the C2PA spec, which can then reveal whether any kind of generative tool was used or not. Uh, they're using a certain standard. Not everyone is using that standard. So yeah, we've got a watermarking standards war brewing. Uh, Microsoft's using the one that Adobe... Uh, In fact, when we talked about that in the quick hits earlier today, earlier in the show, that that's the C2PA spec. ARM and Intel are using that spec. Uh, On the other hand, Stability, Shutterstock, Google and MidJourney are all using different standards for this right now. So we're going to have to have everybody, you know, come together like the smart home industry has done with Matter at some point. Uh, But Microsoft has picked theirs. It's C2PA.
3: Well, um, not everybody can agree on what the right display should look like, but if you like what, uh, what 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 has been kicking around as of late, we've got foldables, we've got rollables, and Samsung Display announced the rollable Flex. It's a vertically rolling display, very much like a scroll that. It- can extend from 49 millimeters to 254 millimeters. company also showed off a sensor OLED display, which acts as a sensor that can recognize fingerprints anywhere on a screen, as well as monitor heart rate and blood pressure with just a finger touching the screen. Rollable Flex, though, is one example of what Samsung plans to exhibit at SID Display Week 2023, an annual display industry conference in the Los Angeles Convention Center. Kicked off today, goes uh, till Thursday.
1: Yeah. So Tuesday, May 23rd, if you listen to this later, Um, I was more impressed by the sensor display because we've seen rollable displays. Doesn't surprise me that Samsung would come up with a good one. Uh, And remember, this is Samsung display. This is a different part of Samsung than Samsung, the phone maker. So this may or may not end up in Samsung phones, could end up in other phones. Uh, But that sensor where you don't have to build a fingerprint detector under the screen. Right. The screen just is the fingerprint detector so that you can touch anywhere. You don't have to pick the right place. And it can do blood pressure and, and heart rate. That's fascinating to me. <laughs> As I
2: a mean, guy who takes his works, mother's blood blood pressure every single morning. Yes. He here, mom, put your hand here. Gotcha. Boom. Done. You know what I mean? That that would be awesome. And then but the fact that it rolled vertical. Uh, actually, super interesting to me because I the first thing I thought of was sitting on a plane, and being you know often you you know you spread wide, you're spreading into somebody else's space. But vertical, that's all you, baby. That's all your seat in front of you. <laughs> Watch that thing. You're yeah, good that's to go. True.
3: Yeah. yeah, I'm calling. I mean, it a- and I know that you know we're talking millimeters. It's not that big, but you know, as somebody you know, I'm going through a move right now, and you know, everything I think about is. You know when you look at like your future living room, you're like, "Well, where's the t v go? You know right. everything has to go around that <laughs> wall where the t v goes." So when you have things like this, you start to think, okay, well, maybe we can, we can make some use of some, work, you know, okay.
2: we can work with yeah.
3: 54
1: millimeters. That's what eight inches, something like that. So yeah, I mean, it's probably not your living room TV, but it's phone size. It's phone size.
3: It's it, sure. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it just goes to show you that, uh, you know, things can sort of, you know, expand and, and then, you know, be compacted, I don't know, under the bed or something.
1: All right. Let's check so out, out right the right mailbag.
3: Let's do it. This one came from Andrew who wrote in about the Azure private open AI instances that we mentioned earlier in the show today. Andrew's company is trying it in beta and he says, for companies that are already putting out some or all of the infrastructure in the cloud, it would be a good option. They even have a demo repo for tests driving a bot that only uses your private docs for answers. We're testing this at my office now with an eye to proving to ourselves that it's not phoning home.
1: Okay, so Andrew is testing what they talked about at Build that we were just mentioning, uh, and and they're watching. <laughs> they're looking to be like, all right, this isn't sending anything to Microsoft secretly behind the scenes, is it? Even if meant meant well. Uh, so, Andrew, let us know. Let us know what you find. Very good.
3: Indeed. Um, Andrew has a link to how they're using it. You can check that out in our show notes. But for now, we're going to thank you, Chris Ashley, because you did great today. Let folks know where they can keep up with your work.
2: Hey, you can find me on Hanging with My Boys on SMR Podcast or Making Some Barbecue on Barbecue and Tech. Either one of those shows, you come check us out. Better if you check out both.
3: Indeed. We also want to extend a special thanks to Dan Gardner. Dan Gardner, you know who you are. But for everybody else, you're one of our top lifetime supporters for DTNS. We want to thank you for all the years of support. Thank you, Dan.
1: Thank you, Dan. Uh, Dan's one of the patrons who gets to stick around for the extended show, Good Day Internet. Uh, HBO Max has relaunched as Max. We're going to talk about how that's going. Chris and I had very different uh, experiences with it. Uh, And we're also going to talk a little bit about the beginning of that Netflix crackdown in the U.S.
3: Just a reminder, you can catch the show live Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern. That's 2000 UTC, and you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. We are back doing it all again tomorrow with Scott Johnson joining us. Talk to you then.
0: This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at
2: frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. Diamond Club
3: hopes you have enjoyed this program.